judge the, which civilization, humanity or these lizard creatures, was most worthy. So I always remembered that, you know, and every time I see that, I remember coming in, it was, you know, after a day out in 20 degree weather playing in the snow and uh, not having to go to church that night, not, not going to church that night and uh, watching that episode. Now, you'll see the title of this message is We Are the Metrons, because you really are because that is a Greek word that is used in the Bible to speak about what God has set for your life. Every one of you has a metered existence from God. Every one of you has something that God put inside you that he wants to reveal through your life. And this word is used in a number of ways in the teaching of Jesus and certainly then in the teachings of the Apostle Paul. And so we want to talk about this word, metron, which, which means something that is appointed, something that has a specific purpose, a specific measure, and something that is dedicated to a particular function. That is the measure of what's inside of you. And this is, I believe, deposited in our spirit. Haley taught wonderfully today about the differences between spirit, soul, and body. You're going to be hearing a lot of that this week because there are four sessions I'm going to teach about that, and that just really ministered to me. But every one of us, uh, when we were put on this planet, we received the breath of God, the Spirit of God. And um, when we die, that's going back to God. Jesus gave up the ghost when he said it is finished. The Bible says that. And um, so with, without that breath of God, without that spark of his life and that eternal identity that he placed within us, no person would live on the earth. No, no person could have life. Uh, animals don't have that. Animals are created with a soulish capacity. Um, but only God, in, dogs aren't created in God's image as much as we love them. Um, neither are cats. I think they're more created in the enemy's image. I speak that as having many cats, and I testify I don't have any anymore. Praise God. But, um, you know, the beauty of it is that when we become born again, we become born again in spirit. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, um, we, uh, we have that that divine identity activated. And it's only through him that that can be. It's only through him and his sacrifice that that could possibly be. And in John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus spoke about this measure. And um, 
we want to look at probably leading up to the measure of faith. We'll see. We may go into that, and the rest we'll talk about tonight. But I don't want to hurry through this. Um, in John chapter 3, verses 33 through 35, Jesus said, He that received his martyria, or his, his testimony, hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent spoke, speaks the words of God. For God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him, or Jesus. The Father loves the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. The beauty of our Lord Jesus is that he was tempted in all points as we are, and he did not sin. He accomplished as a son every point of service before the Heavenly Father that is needed for us to be able to function as sons. He he paved the way for us as the firstborn of many sons. He paved the way for us to know the Father, to be redeemed to the Father. And because he was able, without measure, without metron, to be able to demonstrate this capacity, this capacity, this work, that work, he provided the open door for us to do the same works and greater because he successfully sacrificed himself, rose from the dead, and went to the Father. So the Heavenly Father did not give one specific metron to Jesus. He had that without metron. He had every capacity. And I'm grateful for that because that's something that's not spoken of enough. What God put in you is a gift from him from the foundation of the world. And because of what Jesus did, you have the right, and being born again, to fulfill that function, to fulfill that eternal identity. And we need to cherish that. We, we absolutely need to cherish that. And then we enter into sonship. Now, the beauty of this is that because the Bible says that when we pray in tongues, our spirit prays. We are communicating by that deposit of God in our life before the Father. We speak mysteries to our God. So God within prays on behalf with us on behalf of what the Heavenly Father's mysteries are in this time frame. What a beautiful thing. But it Every one of us offers something unique to God. That deposit of the Spirit of God can be, be the same but different in each of us. And I love that. I love that. Now, the Bible speaks about this deposit of His Spirit, and uh, it says that that is sealed. We're going to look at three verses that says that. But I want you to see in the verse, the first verse that we just read, what that seal is. What does Jesus say? Whoever receives this marturia, this willingness to die to self, to live to what God's will is, has engaged in a seal that God is true. That's our friend Alethea, Alethus. 
the lover of the discovery of something that is not hid anymore. Now, what does that mean? As we live our life and we're faithful, what God put in us that we are continually discovering becomes made known. It's being made known. And at the same time, the Spirit is guiding us as sons into all truth, things that have been hidden that are being made known. So it's a double discovery. It's us partnering with God in things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of anyone the glorious things that God has reserved for them who love Him and who are called. We are continually understanding them, and as we gain service to God in them as intercessors, then we discover things that are new in us. We do, and then we understand. That seal goes both ways, and I, I love that. So the seal of God is a seal of the love and truth. I want to be honoring what God gave me to do. I want to honor what he's put in us as saints. I want to honor that. That's what the word says here. I'm not really making anything up here. It's, it's there. And hasn't it been true that as you've served the Lord, as you've interceded, as you've gone before his throne and you've obeyed him prophetically, that as you've done that, you've learned things about what he made you to be that you would not have known otherwise. Isn't that true? I have, I have been so blessed that if we, as we have sought those things that the spirit of truth has guided us into, that when, when I was guided by God there, that I, I recognized that God put things in me that were specifically for the use of his spirit in that place. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like when a baby is born and it begins to breathe, it recognizes a function that it was created to breathe the air. And when, when I serve the Lord and God guides us as intercessors into some new thing, it's amazing how that seal upon that also uncovers something that was sealed in me. And the two come together in wonderful harmony. I love that. This is Jesus saying this. Now I know some people would just read over that and they just skip on by. And the most you'd hear about this is, bless God, he had the spirit without measure. And you know that if you believe him, that power, you can preach it that way, which is true. But what he's really saying is, you have a heavenly father who puts something in you and I, as the Son of God, came to demonstrate how to function before God in that. And because of my sacrifice, if you will accept me and die to self and accept my life and my sacrifice, these things that God put in you will become alive and you can partner with him in that pathway. That's what Jesus is saying here. Why don't we ever see that? Why isn't this talked about wherever Christians gather together? See, it's, it's a hidden thing, but it can only be known when you submit yourself and you say, all right, I want to honor this. And that's why, as Haley said this morning, you have 
what Paul said in his, there's something in me that fights what I should do. You've got that battle, you know, because the mind, the soul has opinions. The flesh has opinions. And, and they are at enmity with the things of the Spirit of God. And the best thing you can do is to say, as for me and this house, I am serving God. And soul and mind and body, you've got to get in line with it. That's the best thing any of us can do. Because that's what God created us to do. But it's a seal of truth. It's a seal of discovering what God is putting you that he wants to reveal for his glory. And as that's happening, he leads you into things that he has ordained for this time frame to be known and appropriated for the kingdom. I love that. Look at that next verse, 2 Corinthians 1, 22. Who has sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. There is talking about. This is what we've just been talking about. The earnest or the deposit or the down payment of the Spirit within us. What is earnest money? What is, what is an earnest? That means that you see, I want this thing. And I know that I don't have the amount right now at this moment to obtain it. But I'm going to put down earn. I'm going to put down an earnest. I'm going to put down, I am in earnest over that. That's where that nomenclature in the English comes from. I'm in earnest. I mean, I'm, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. You know, the earnest of the Spirit in you is that you're a continuing, continually developing work in the Spirit. Now, you've known many of you, or have been, I've known many of you to be a piece of work for a long time, but you really are developing. You really are developing. And, you know, where we do, does that not yet appear what we shall be, but we are sowing what we have into something that's coming, into something that's developing. That's God's journey. That's the way God moves. We'll always be in the journey. Anybody who just focuses on God giving them what they want doesn't understand the journey. You know, if I quote this scripture and say this thing and argue this, then it's mine. I've got it right now. Well, God, you know, I always have challenges with that because the God I know is he's providing for me all along and he's, he's leading me. He's more interested in talking to me. He's more interested in teaching me. He's more interested in me enjoying him and walking with him as Elohim. And the journey is what it's all about for him. He's with me in the valley. He, he knows the end from the beginning. So that's not really in question. It's getting you to walk with him between the two. That's the issue. And so uh, we're putting earnest down into the big picture of the Lord. But that seal is upon us. It's that earnest of the Spirit is in us. God sowed His Spirit into us, and He hopes that we will partner with Him in developing that identity and sowing it into the bigger picture of what He's wanting to accomplish in partnership with us. So I love that, the earnest of the Spirit. We're sealed with that. And what is that seal? 
Now, I know we studied about the seal. There are other verses. One of the great verses is, this is the seal that God knows them that are his. I used to have a friend in Bible college who came from Dothan, Alabama. And he was a Crimson Tide fan. And he would always say, the Lord knows those that are his. That's, I guess that's something they say down there. I don't know. But the point is, is that God knows you belong to him. He's put a deposit in you, and he wants to discover new things in you, and he wants to keep revealing the development of who you are. I love that. I love that. Look at this next verse, Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. In whom you also trusted. After that, you heard the word of what? Truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom after, also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Do you know what promise is? It's a derivation of the word for gospel. It's the promise of God. It is that word that keeps being proclaimed and is, is keeping to show increasingly how wonderful and beautiful it is, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. I love this. This is wonderful. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise so that we can continually participate in what we're called to be as heirs. That's what God said. Do you know that you're called to be an heir and a joint heir? So many people uh, miss that. They think, oh, maybe this select person over here. Or maybe We idolize people in church, and we shouldn't do that. We think because this person's over here that somehow God loves them more. And, boy, listen to the way they can sing or play that guitar. L look at the way they preach. Look at all the people that are around them. We idolize them. God doesn't love them any more than he loves you. You are an heir. You are called to be an heir. You are called to be a joint heir. And the way you get to that is by continuing to partner with this earnest of the Spirit within you. And if you don't, the next verse comes. Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. How in the world would you grieve this deposit of the Spirit. Well, if you think about it just for a moment, it makes sense. If God's put a deposit in you and He sealed you to partner with Him in, in the Spirit of truth, if God has an identity and a calling for you, and you said, I don't believe any of that. In fact, I don't, I'd rather have it easy. Just tell me the answers. You know, I, I don't want to really partner with God and invest myself. I just want to declare things and get this from him and get that from him and just everybody feel happy and feel good. No martyria, nothing of that nature. And I'm going to tell you something. If that's your song and dance, it's likely that you are grieving the Holy Spirit of promise. You are grieving the thing that God created you to be. And I don't want to do that, do you? I don't. I really don't. And there's a difference between that and blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's another message which we've taught on several times. 
But the grieving of the spirit of promise in you is something that we all have to face. You know, there are times where I, I, I can feel that God is doing something. And it so often when, and we're going to talk about this this week in, in regard to Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where she had a, she had a challenge, bitterness of soul and a sorrowful spirit. There are times when God is wanting to birth grace, when God is wanting to do some new thing that's going to propel you into a new horizon, that all of a sudden you're going to deal with bitterness because bitterness attacks grace. Hebrews says that. If you fail in grace, bitterness arises and many are defiled. Hannah was dealing with that. You're going to have all kinds of things that come against your mind, against your soul, lust, pride, inferiority, insecurity, offense, all of that stuff is going to be there. At the same time, when the depositive spirit is wanting to travail a new thing in you. And so often we, we, we miss the most important thing in life, that deposit, that earnest of God's spirit in us, because we give place to other things. And people will say, I have a check in my spirit. No, you don't. You haven't checked your spirit in years. You may have a check in your soul. You may have a check in your mind. You may have a check in your offense. But the spirit, I can tell you, the, spirit's, the only thing the spirit's checking is that you're not paying too much attention to what God really wants to do in you. Boy, I've gotten off into preaching. Who says I don't preach the word? <laughs> yeah. um, look at um, Romans 12, verses 1 through 3. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's how God communicates with you. Because that's what mercy is, the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies was the place where God communicated before the angels with his representative. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice devoted to the saintly calling, holy, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I remember what Jack Hayford has said many times. He said that... Uh, the only problem with a living sacrifice is that he keeps wanting to crawl off the altar. And, you know, the Apostle Paul is writing here to the Romans, and he's about ready to talk about this very thing we've just been talking about. And the first thing he says is, you've got to be willing to lay yourself up on that altar. Forget about the wheel. Lay on the altar and be ready to give yourself for what God wants to do. If you do that, you won't have that much problem with the soul, with the bitterness, with the comparing one another, or any of those other things that will take you out of partnership with the Spirit of God within you. Be not conformed to this world. Boy, oh boy. We could say that over our nation, couldn't we? But you be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. There's that word, metron, again. What's he saying here? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You know, that term doesn't just mean a pecking order. That, that term means, you know, I really, it's, it's kind of like what we do in life. We all do this. We may have a car, and we think, this car's okay, but I'd really like to have that car. To me, that car would be a higher priority for me. You know, I like this house that I'm in, but I really watch those shows on TV, and I see these people winning lotteries and getting new houses. I'd really like to have that house. To think more highly is not necessarily being wanting to dominate someone else, but it's not being satisfied with what you have, and you want something else. And Paul says, you better don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Think soberly. Don't be drunk on those other things. Think soberly. Take assessment of the fact that God has given you something to do. And, oh, well, and then, then some people will say, but nobody recognizes it. Nobody's telling me what it is. Where in the Bible does it say that I have a responsibility to tell you what God has sealed in your spirit? That is something that he has reserved to himself to reveal. It's not my job. But see, these are just tricks the enemy plays on people. I want to tell you how you can partner with that spirit that's been born again through Jesus. Go before the Father. Spend time with him. A man's gift brings him before kings. You be faithful in that. And don't worry, God will use you. He's not going to lose track of you. He's not going to forget your... He's not going to misplace your file. That deposit of his spirit is in you. He sees it every time you pray. And the most important thing is for that to be developed in God. So if we're thinking wrongly, if we're not thinking soberly in that way, then we're thinking, oh, you know what? I'm just really tired of this. This is hard. This is difficult. You know, my soul is troubled. I just don't know if I can keep moving. I think it's time for me to quit. I think I'm too tired for this. Oh, you know, the grass is really greener over there. I think I could be used more. Well, wouldn't those people benefit from my skill set and from all the pneumaticos understanding that I have? Oh, that's great. Oh, I like what this guy's saying because he's saying lots of other things he's got he's got all the truths laid out already he doesn't have to wait for the spirit to guide me into them I'll just grab them because isn't truth truth I'll just take some of that sober up isn't this what Paul's saying it is be sober and um, you know what <laughs> I I just think that this is a word in this year of grace that God needs for us to recognize. Um, and so often we let all these other things, you know, the Bible says that you can be drunk on the gall of bitterness. The Bible says that. And I wonder if that's not why in this discussion of grace it says, be sober. Don't give place to bitterness and all its machinations. Move forward in, in, in the Lord. But know that you have that deposit of spirit within you. God's spirit. Now, 
Is that the only spirit that you, that, is that the only uh, dimension of the spirit that you can access? No, of course not. Because when you're functioning in the way that you're supposed to, then you can have the spirit of God come upon you as an anointing or as, a, um, as an empowerment. The Spirit of God came on a lot of people. But, you know, see, that's the issue we have. We don't understand that. We think it all just means the same. And we're always sometimes tempted to run over here to get a dose of the Spirit or run over here when that deposit of the Spirit that God put us into and we're sealed by, uh, we're not really happy with that. We want to have fall upon. We want to have impart. We want to have all these things. And those are good things when God puts you in position where you need to receive them. But the most important thing is that you allow that spirit of promise within you to partner with God and to manifest what he created you to be. When you do that, watch out because he will lead you. I, I love this. I said we were I, we'll do the rest of this tonight in prayer class. But he just keeps talking about this. He talks about if you, if you follow this metron of the Lord, if you look on the top, we'll cover this tonight, but if those of you who can't be here, you can look for it yourself, and if you've been paying attention at all, it'll make sense. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul has a measure fest. He uses measure, 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 measure. He uses derivations of measure. And what he says is that if you follow that to the regions beyond, they will be open to you. And you don't need to boast in what's been given to another man. And uh, you, you just need to glory in the Lord. Haven't we seen that here? Haven't we seen God open doors? I see Luke and Sylvie there. If we had not followed this pathway, we would never have met them. We would have never unified with them as brothers and sisters in Christ. God opened France to this ministry because we decided to follow the Lord and intercede. We didn't open that door. We didn't send out flyers or we didn't ask if we could come. You know, if we'd asked Luke back then if we could come, he'd have probably told us no. <laughs> he didn't know us. But it's only the Spirit of God that could put this bond between us. And I'm so thankful it, 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 it has happened. This same way with Brazil and South America. Only God could open that continent to us. And it is opening and flowering by leaps and bounds. It's incredible what God is doing. But the regions beyond have been opened because we have committed ourselves to the metron of what God has deposited in us and what God has given us as saints. What a thing that is. And, you know, just it's kind of like an advance notice, in Ephesians 4, 6, where it speaks about the fivefold gifts that God tethemied into the church for the perfecting of the saints, if you'll read just a little bit further you will see that it speaks that till we become unto a perfect man, unto the metron of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That metron, that deposit in you, what God wants is for you to be Christ-like. 
to be joint heirs with him. That's the beautiful thing and the effectual working in the metron of every part. If we all do this, if we all do this, the body will be built up as, as something amazing in the agape of God. That's what Paul says. This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus did. But again, you know, on surface, it doesn't seem like this is very exciting. Because in the natural, it's not. The natural mind thinks this is foolishness, is what the Bible says. And the natural mind is at enmity. It's at war with the things of the Spirit. So if you're thinking the world is going to stand up and clap about something that it is an enemy of, you've you got a long wait coming. It's not going to happen. But yet, the beauty of it is that God created every one of you and me with that deposit of his presence. It is sealed to partner in truth with him. That's what Jesus said. And I think even if, you're, even if you discount a lot of passages in the Bible, I think you, you probably will, will find that most of the Bibles you think are acceptable say that. It's just a side. There's a great attack against the word of the Lord in these days. Um, did you hear the New Orleans Saint quarterback Drew Brees made a, uh, an announcement for, for October 3rd, take your Bible to school day? And he gave an announcement telling all the kids and all the fans of the Saints and NFL football, please be sure to remember to take your Bible. I live by it every day. He just said that simple thing, take your Bible to school on that day. And do you know how many special interest groups rose up over the past, the mobs on the Internet and Twitter, and attacked him mercilessly as being somebody that doesn't have any love? I mean, it was just ravenous. Thank God some sane voices from the left rose up and said, back off. This guy didn't say anything wrong. Are we really saying that we oppose a child carrying a Bible to school? And maybe you, maybe you don't know any of that went on. Well, football season starts this weekend, and Drew Brees, I think we should go out and buy a jersey. But, you know, the point is that the Word of God is under attack. It really is. And we better hold on to it because it's the one thing that after heaven and earth fade away, it won't. Amen? So tonight we'll talk a little bit more about this leading into prayer class because I do think that the remaining issues that are on this sheet are things that we as a network are dealing with in the nations. And so we need to see how that deposit of God within us can be a, a counteracting influence in these other things. But the point for us this morning is you are a met metron of God. It's, that's where our word meter comes from, uh, the Frenchman who desired, designed the metric system, you know. But you are metered. You have an identity. God has sealed you. And we are looking forward to God continuing to, um, to reveal that in us. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's the Holy Spirit of promise within us. And again, 
that the, the dimensions of the Spirit are so manifold in Scripture, we just kind of tend to lump them all together. And when we do that, we, we miss the beauty of our God. God put that deposit of His Spirit in us. And then He says to us who are born again, would you be willing to receive a baptism in the Spirit? Would you be willing to be able to, to speak in other tongues and let that deposit of my spirit pray through you? Would you be willing to go in obedience and welcome the outpouring of the spirit? You see, that, that deposit of the spirit in you becomes almost a passport for all these other dimensions of the spirit. We shouldn't lump them all together. If we do that, we're, we're really not wanting to to learn about the God that we love in the way we should. But every one of us has that deposit of His Spirit. And it's up to us to do something with it. If you're born again, it's active. And, and it's you're born again in spirit and in truth. <laughs> the Spirit ignites this pathway of discovery with God. I love that. It's been something that we've walked and we've only begun to walk in it. Heavenly Father, I ask you that you would release the truths of this, these scriptures into the hearts and lives of every person here and those many who are tuning in across the world today. We declare over our lives that we belong to you and we ask you, Father, that what you have ordained us to be from the foundation of the world, with that earnest of your spirit within us, let that grow into that beautiful thing that you have desired for us to know in you, that we might bring glory to you, and that we might walk in that glory with you. I speak over every one of the people who's hearing this, those in this room particularly, if there's something, Father, that has held them back from moving into a deeper walk with you, I ask you, Father, that at this very moment, that thing would be dealt with. And I ask for an unlocking of that capacity within them, that they might begin to know you in this way that you've ordained. Father, we speak blessing over the purposes that are deposited in each of us, that every one of us would begin to manifest those purposes and that we would all walk with you in fullness. And that as every one of us does this, the whole body of Christ can thrive in a way beyond anything we've known. We call that into being as well. So we say to our Lord, thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us the spirit without metron, so that all the capacities that we have in us have already been patterned and already been bought and paid for by you. Thank you for that. And let that seal of your spirit shine brightly within the heart of every one of us. We thank you for it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. You are the Metrons, and um, be blessed. We'll see you tonight.